Pause. Has Good morning. Welcome to the land of Boz with Jeff Bosley. Oh, sweet mother of God, it's Friday. I know I don't have a regular work week like I used to when I was in the military or even college jobs, but mother of pearl, I need Friday to be here and be done with. So here we are, Friday. Thank you, everyone. Five days of this show. I really appreciate it. Let's kick it off and get on moving. Now, admittedly, I wanted to start the show off uh, bitching and moaning about my experience at the VA, Uh, but I'm also trying to be a little bit more positive and optimistic and uh, a little bit more failing at having my cell phone on during the recording. But I'm honestly, I'm trying to honestly be a little bit more optimistic and positive and not let things toxify me. So beyond saying I'm really disappointed in the VA, I will move on to more happy, optimistic stuff before we kick off the show proper. Uh, I want to, actually this will be a good counter to my poor experience at the VA uh, today. I want to mention, talk about giving back. Um, Anybody that's ever seen like the meme or the uh, commencement speech done by Arnold Schwarzenegger, there's one of his six steps of success is one of the steps is something like giving back, plain and simple. Um, And I experienced that frequently, but it wasn't until last night where I kind of acknowledged it and truly uh, accepted its value or its worth. Um, But in this day and age, in this society, uh, in this hustle and bustle and, and constantly busy climate we live in giving back isn't exactly something that's easy and uh, none of this is patting myself on the back or being braggadocious it's just it's not the most conducive thing especially because nine times out of ten giving back um <coughs> excuse me uh is free or ends up costing you money and not that it, the money makes the world go round, but you know it's, it's a lot of times the reason we have the jobs we like or unfortunately don't like uh, is because we need to make money and pay bills so giving back, charities, fundraisers, volunteering, it, it takes time and sometimes money or both. Um, but uh, for whatever reason, I'm very lucky and fortunate and grateful in that I have created or sometimes unfortunately have time to give back. Um, and this last two weeks has been particularly uh, focused on that. Um, it's been good for my soul. Uh, helping others uh, helps you. And I wanted to just kind of express that to people. If you have the opportunity to give back volunteering or charity, yeah, it takes a little bit more time and effort to get out of bed because it's most of the time it's self-accountability. Nobody's going to hassle you if you don't make it. Um, But having uh, something to get up and go for like that helps. Um, I've been volunteering at a ranch where we clean and take care of the horses and all that with a good friend of mine. Uh, that I met at a uh, acting class. We're going to actually audition for a program together. And it's been, it's just nice to have a reason, a, a pure reason to do something. You know, I'm not getting any money out of it. He lets us ride our hor- his horses. and But it's just, it's nice to do that and give back and have a reason to help others. <laughs> Excuse me. And a little bit more, I don't want to say tangible, but a little bit more, uh, I don't know, meaty, I don't know, whatever. They both have their purposes because equine therapy, especially for vets with PTSD or victims of all of various sorts of trauma, getting a very thousands of pound horse to trust you and like you instills some sort of peace. And it's, I can see why equine therapy is good. It's good for me because uh, I'm not there for the therapy per se, but it's good for me because it brings me back to my youth, my home, Idaho. You know, I'd go to rodeos and, I remember the smell of horse manure and cow manure and dirt and, and the, the tra- horse trailers have a certain smell, trucks with diesel, uh, leather gloves. That's therapy to me is sitting there being around that. So it's just a blessing for me to be around that. And then the other thing I've been doing, I just started last night, as a matter of fact, um, the, uh, this charity, it's called uh, Young Storytellers, and it's for, I believe, fifth graders. So what is that, around 10 years old maybe? fifth graders, I'm sure, um, where we, it's a 10 week program where we help young creative kids write a movie, a short film. 
and uh, we uh, we write it, and you know we're not obviously making them out to be world class, perfectly formatted script and screenwriters, um, but we embrace their creativity and and nurture it. And it wasn't until I was there where somebody made a comment about how a lot of times uh, that kind of mind isn't cultivated and nourished. Um, I grew up in a great, very nourishing and loving household. I was very fortunate, but for some reason, I as Jeff, I was kind of I self-imposed practicality. You know, I was raised by a physician and a stay-at-home mother. And to me, practical businesses and careers made sense. Thus, uh, my military and firefighting career. I loved them, uh, but they were inherently, quote-unquote, practical. And it was really cool. This uh, one woman said something about how this program is really amazing because it, it helps kids have that opportunity and that venue that I know, I know I went to schools where creativity was, you know, it was there, you know, when you did creative stuff, but it wasn't like a program per se. And I was really amazed to see, I think there were 14 or 16 volunteers there. Uh, actually I won't name names, but a very, very famous comedian was there volunteering his time to help with this screenwriting program. And it's called script, uh, script to stage, I believe. And uh, yeah, like we said, I said, we take 10 weeks, we write it, we uh, help them with the audition process. And it's a fun little thing for these people. And then sometimes these kids inherently in these schools, the ones that want to be artsy fartsy and theater and the arts, they're typically sometimes might not feel like an avenue to um, express that. And this is for that. And so it's really cool to not only provide that for these kids, but it also is really cool to see uh, 16 of us volunteers do, being there for that you know, at six o'clock at night, uh, when we could be at home with, I don't have family here, but we, you know, these men and women could be home with their family or, you know, it's really cool to see that. So the point of all this is, is if you can find a way and anybody who knows me, I say that phrase a lot, but it's true. If anybody who knows me knows I work hard or I work hard at working hard. So I'm always trying to work basically. I'm always looking for work or working at working. And if I can find Again, the horse thing is eight hours a week. The uh, the kids program is another hour a week. So that's just for the sake of time, just round up to 10. 10 hours a week is a lot. And I'm very lucky in my career with the way things go. Um, that I And I'm willing to live pretty thin financially and to be available for this kind of thing. So I'm lucky I can have 10 hours a week. That's asking a lot for some people. And I'm aware of that just logistically. But if you can find one hour a week, um, it takes a while, just like anything else, starting a new muscle memory, uh, uh, starting a new pattern of life is, it's hard, but if you can find something to give back one hour a week, it can actually be rewarding. It can help get you out of a funk. And I'm not like in some cave of depression with sharp objects, but it gives you a purpose, you know, when you might be in a rut or you might just kind of, or like for me in the Hollywood world, I'm at the mercy of a lot of people. I, 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 they choose if I'm allowed to work <laughs> despite how much I can create my own content to be in the next, uh, you know, Expendables or the Mexican Marvel movie, I have to be in the right place at the right time and they have to choose me. So it's, it's, it gives me a sense of purpose that I, that I kind of had been lacking for a while. So it's kind of nice. Uh, my opening didn't, I didn't really mean to get that long winded, but it's my message today is really give back, find a way to give back. It doesn't have to be grandiose because if you make it too big and grandiose, the more likely you are to, you're not going to be able to uh, sustain it and you might end up presenting it. So realistically give back find a way um it's really interesting how it'll make you feel i've heard that before i'm not like an overnight convert where everything's peachy but i do i do uh, admit it's it's truth so find ways to give back and uh with that being said we will continue on to what the crap happened in history today extra, extra. read all about it life story of playboy penny a little batch of entertaining uh, things that happened on the planet today. Um, left my fan on. Again, I, I pointed it out and I'm jokingly whining, but to get this audio somewhat tolerable, all my air conditionings and fans have to be off. So I'm sitting here sweating for you. This day in history, October 5th, I'll get to the good ones. Bunch of irony. 2003, gentleman named Grizzly Man. Uh, Timothy Treadwell was killed by a grizzly bear. It's sad. Uh, it's kind of the Steve Irwin, uh, the crocodile hunter. Um, I, sad irony. Uh, but there's actually two documentaries that I highly recommend. Um, there's a film called Grizzly, and then um, uh, no, that is the film, the documentary called Grizzly Man or Grizzly. Uh, check it out; it's really awesome. 
uh, but he died today. Uh, moving on, not really, not a lot of good stuff. Uh, let's see. I oh, this was creepy. I did not know this. Granted, I was only a couple years old, but 1982, 264,000. That's right, six digits. Bottles of Tylenol were taken off the market because somebody had laced them with strychnine. The killer has never been caught. How unsettling is that? Uh, we buy those bottles and we take them pretty trustworthily. Worthily. I can't fathom. I don't know how they're made, but I, I, I can't imagine they do a chemical check of every pill at the end of the, right before the bottling. Very terrifying to be thinking about it. So, to, <coughs> moving on to slightly funnier, happier things. Larry Moe Curley, Mr. Larry Fine was born today, 1902. The original Three Stooges. Back when comedy was simple and or we were simple. Because if we were to watch it now, it's, it is that I think maybe that's where the slapstick came from. Hmm. Hold, please. It's the hold music. Hold music. Ah, found it. Not what I thought, but it's not too far from wrong. Slapstick literally were two, I should know this coming from theater, uh, two pieces of wood that were fashioned together so when they slapped another person, it made a much more exaggerated sound. It was typically used in absurd comedies. Um, let me think. Comedy, Commedia dell'arte in the 16th century, so 1500 time. Um, it was two pieces of wood that made a slap sound when you hit another actor, and it was typically in the absurd comedy stuff. So that's where slapstick humor came from. Um, so that's a really random offshoot of uh, 1902 Larry Fine of the Three Stooges being born. However, this day deserves deserves to be celebrated by me. Yes, today, Karen Allen was born 1951. I love me a feminine yet tough woman. And Karen Allen's character in Raiders of the Lost Ark exemplified every trait a man could look for in a woman. When you first meet her, you think, ah, she's a little too tough. She's scary. She's punching people and drinking a lot, which is kind of awesome too. Uh, but then later when she gets, I think they're in Egypt or Cairo somewhere, and uh, she puts on that nice white sundress. Yeah. Karen Allen, God bless you. I completely should have ended on a high note with Karen, but uh, I will end on a high note for what this guy provided us as far as us OCD organizational fanatics, and it's pretty much changed the world. Let's not kid ourselves. Today on two, in 2011, Steve, Stephen, I guess, if you want to call him that, Stephen Paul Jobs passed away, uh, founded Apple Computer in 1975, famously out of his parents' garage. And the rest, as we know, is history. And lastly, on this day, 2004, gentleman that passed away gets no respect. I hope that made people smile because it was embarrassing. 2004, Rodney Dangerfield passed away. I did not know he won a Grammy for uh, being a uh, as a comedian. Uh, my the movie I grew up watching him in was Back to School in 1986. I was obsessed with that movie for some reason. I need to rewatch that, but. That's everything that happened in history today. And now here's the part of the show where I come out of the closet, the nerd closet that is. So here we go with Talk Nerdy. Nerd! <laughs> that still makes me laugh. So today on uh, Nerd Chat, I still don't have really names of the segments of the show. I pretty much change them every time. Today I want to talk about sequels, prequels, reboots, reimaginings, revisits, whatever you want to call them. Uh, the thing that brought this up today is I saw on uh, Chris Hemsworth's Chris Hemsworth's Instagram some video from him doing a new Men in Black with um, the woman he did uh, Thor Ragnarok with. And uh, I wanted to kind of share my thoughts. And you're obviously always welcome to email me, fans, at jeffbosley.com if we want to establish a... Uh, bitch session or a gripe session or some sort of session where we possibly agree but uh my thoughts on them are sporadic and random the men in black one i think sequels where they lend themselves to being different characters um, because the men in black it's in the name men plural there's more than one so those ones kind of lend themselves to kind of have their own little spin-offs or sequels without the original characters obviously the first three men in black 
I think there were three, were all the original, <coughs> excuse me, the original actors, Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. So, but I think Men in Black is a movie or a franchise that lends itself to have other characters without having us roll our eyes and go, oh God, they couldn't get the other people. So now they have these people. So I think Men in Black for how, whatever they're calling it is definitely one where it's going to end up working. Uh, however, we've all seen, I don't know, especially as you get uh, older, you're, we're all seeing things reimagined and rebooted and revisited. And there's like two sides to that coin, even in TV. If you think about the shows that are killing it right now, um, Hawaii Five-0 has been on forever, and that's based on an original show. Uh, SWAT was based on an original show. Magnum P.I. is coming back. MacGyver, I think, is still on the air. And these are all shows I grew up with as a kid. So it's just kind of like Peyton and I were talking about yesterday. Where it's kind of like, well, when you have this baseline to compare it to, uh, you kind of never feel like you're fully satisfied because you've experienced the OG TV or, or movie. Um, but if you think about it, if it is a new audience, you know, there's the argument of, you know, there's no more original ideas. And maybe that is a, I can't fathom uh, being a screenwriter and having a new idea that isn't accidentally plagiarizing somebody else's. So yeah, they might not have a new idea, but it doesn't necessarily mean because it's not new, it doesn't necessarily mean the audience is expired. Um, maybe the old audience is expired. So maybe the you know the people that grew up with those shows as a kid, I might not be a fan of looking at them, which I kind of am not because it's kind of you fell in love or you liked the original one. So it's kind of hard to watch it again. I actually to this at this moment can't think of a re anything based on something I've already seen as a kid or growing up that I like. The only Star Wars reimaginings was the one where they brought back my OG Star Wars people was was when they brought back Harrison Ford and um, Carrie Fisher and all that. Um, still not the best Star Wars, but I'd rather watch that than Solo because to me, uh, Harrison Ford's the original Han Solo. But yeah, so I, I'm not a fan of, I won't probably watch the new Magnum P.I. I won't watch the new uh, MacGyver. So it just kind of depends, but it's not, yeah, it's it's not my thing. Uh, but you know, some shows, good Lord, uh, some shows, a lot of people don't know, or they just haven't heard like the movie, um, uh, fantastic four. If I remember correctly, I think there are, again, I, I have no direct source to this. I just heard about it on the internet, so it must be true, but I believe they actually for Sony, I believe owns the fantastic four for them to maintain ownership. I believe it's like in the paperwork. They have to churn out a new Fantastic Four every so many years so they can maintain ownership of the property. And, you know, it is a... Is it Marvel? God, I should know that. I'm pretty sure they're Marvel. 99% sure. 940% sure. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's kind of obviously in the wrong hands. You know, Spider-Man's a perfect example. Sony owned it. They churned out three, which I've yet to see because uh, I just haven't for some embarrassing reason. If you just heard a weird groan, it's because... Uh, <laughs> Izzy's, Izzy's just kind of laying here being mopey or something uh, but yeah so Sony's uh, three attempts at Spider-Man I guess they had mixed reviews but of course the minute they were like okay fine we'll work with we'll work with Marvel it was they knocked it out of the park with the Tom Holland uh, helmed one and they already got a sequel being shot I believe they may have just wrapped um, in Italy right now so yeah there's a uh, the, especially those movies, it takes a lot to hammer out the sequels, you know, and sometimes there's a business reason to it. Sometimes the actor gets too old, but I mean, hell, what's his butt uh, in the first Spider-Man? Um, the dude was like 30 playing a kid, so it all depends, but um, that's kind of that. Um, so yeah, not a fan, It's I, I'm, but I'm also, hell, on the flip side, I'm a massive sucker for sequels. I will watch any sequel just because I'm curious about it. Like Expendables, Stallone's movies, perfect example. I don't care how obvious and cliche and fill-in-the-blank stereotype we think they are as an audience. We still go, and he still wants to make them, and it's his it's it's his job. He can do whatever he wants. Um, you know, anybody can, for that matter. And so, yeah, I'm the first one in line. You know, they'll I'll, they'll get me with a gimmick anytime. You know, uh, whatever Expendables it was, where they're like Harrison Ford's in this, and I was like, oh my god, how can it get any better? And they're like, oh my, and uh, Mel Gibson, I'm like, oh my god, how can it get any better? And then Wesley Snipes, oh my god, and then I mean, they just hit me with gimmick after gimmick after gimmick, and I was like, you know what, fine, I'll be there. Um, so we'll still go. I'll, you know, and I'm a little biased. I'm a I'm a Stallone nerd, and I'm super huge fan. And then also as a guy trying to work in the city in the industry, I'd kill to be in one of his movies. Um, I actually auditioned for 
Creed 2 to play Apollo, or not Apollo, <laughs> wrong skin tone, uh, to play Ivan Drago's son, uh, the main bad guy in Creed 2. Um, it's ironic because had I kept my beard, I probably might have got at least a chance, but they called me in for an audition, which was huge to even get uh, called in and asked. Um, but I was like, well, they needed him to be younger than I am. And so I went baby face, clean shaven, which made me look, I didn't look intimidating at all. Now that I've seen the, the actor they cast, however, they cast a boxer who they taught to act, not an actor who they could teach to box. So there's two schools of thought on that one. You can probably guess where my school of thought is. Um, actually that's a good thing for, uh, my acting section. Um, acting, hire the actor. Not the skill. Good note on that. Thank you for tolerating me while I typed. But yeah, so that's my thoughts on sequels, prequels, and reboots and all that stuff. And, you know, like I said, it's open for discussion. There's always arguments to be had. But I'll, And again, it sucks because the city, even though it is artistic, it's it's a business, you know. So there might be uh, things that are, quote, less pure uh, as far as intentions. Because at the end of the day, they got to make money. It's got to be a business. So... Uh, it, it, if, if the movie gods themselves could say, Hey, make a sequel to X movie and it will be guaranteed to make profit. People are like, all right, that, you know, I'm pretty sure profit is profit is profit. You know, it's, it's hopefully it's a good movie as a bonus, but I think a lot of times we can almost certainly guarantee that the re when you hear one of those sequels or reboots where you're like, what the, f you're kidding me, you know, it's for a profit. <laughs> so that is my thought on the nerd world of sequels, prequels, reboots, reimaginings, revisitings, re 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 And today's segment on acting, uh, I just came up with in the segment prior to this, so I think it'll be a good uh, good little rant or dialogue or something to consider for all you actors or filmmaker people out there. Check it out. Well, I'm an actor, right? So I got to keep my emotions right at the surface, you know acting and special skills uh it's a very interesting um conundrum or debate especially as a veteran in the military um there's definitely two schools of thought to a lot of them and before i even get into it here's my answer and here's my thoughts on it uh it's acting hire the actor all the other stuff is incidentally a good bonus um you don't <laughs> you don't hire a doctor you don't hire a construction worker that used to be a doctor if the doctor has to perform surgery on a construction worker you hire the best doctor uh if he happened to be a construction worker prior to becoming a doctor fine he knows how what it's like to be a construction worker I and mean, that's a really crappy metaphor but you get the point um it's it's acting it's playing pretend now yes if you have prior life experience or prior jobs or careers Obviously, that would help build the character and help add to the character that you're the character you are portraying and building. Uh, that goes without saying. But to blindly assume the special skill or the previous life career is priority over the actor—that's crap. And I say that, and it kind of sh can shoot me in the foot because as a vet, there's a lot of movies and TV shows that are based on weapons handling and special forces skills and all this crap. Um, so some i won't even use vets but just a general a lot of special skills or, or vets or what stuff you'll even see it at the casting directors will put this up saying must be real firefighters it's like why they how they cast actors it's it's a acting job and then from the boohoo whiny standpoint as a starving actor if they're real firefighters they have a career with a paycheck hire actors that need work it's it's kind of a slap in the face uh, luckily, um, as you know from this podcast, I have a lot of weird backgrounds, so I can actually plug into a lot of spots, which is fortunate. But uh, here's a perfect ironic example. There was a, an audition for a role that, uh, it was a commercial, which I'm not going to get into commercial versus theatrical, but commercials, it's not so much acting as it is existing. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you go home and spend days building your character. Um, but this one, this role for this commercial required you to be a current or former firefighter. So I got the audition. I went there and did my thing. Uh, didn't get it. Later saw the commercial. It was no, I mean, there was no dialogue for the characters that were the firefighters. It was all like audio voiceover stuff on the commercial. And the visual was firefighters making a salad and sitting down to dinner make, and eating it at the fire station. That's why they had to be prior firefighters. 
So it makes us actors looking for work almost go, uh, you know what, I'm just going to lie and hopefully I don't get called out, which, you know, opens up a whole nother door of issues because then you got people lying and, and creating, you know, bad apples ruining it for all of us. So it's catch 22. Like here's a nice little gray area example. When they say, uh, must be a real doctor. Uh, we'll get into it on some other segment about what I was as a Green Beret. But as a Green Beret, I was basically, for way offensive simplicity terms, I was a Navy SEAL doctor. Um, so I could, for the sake of a commercial or film, portray a doctor and and adequately uh, act, walk the walk and talk the talk, know the lingo, know how to pronounce the right words, all Latin-based, etc., if until they start going, let me see your doctor's license, then yeah, that's where I wouldn't uh, go to that audition. But you know, it's kind of bullcrap. And I don't know if it's a stand to take because it's because that firefighter eating salad example, it kind of makes you always think twice about going, you know what, do they really need a doctor? And again, it goes back to the other example, a surgeon in Hollywood, I'm pretty sure they got a good paycheck, they, they can take care of the families uh, there. If, if you're using them to take away work from actors, that's bullcrap. So with all that being said, it's a little ranty, but also the takeaway that I try to do is I try to honorably coast that gray area center line and be both. Um, I'd like to think I'm a good actor. Um, I try to be actually take a lot of acting classes and, and do my best to be a good actor because uh, the assumption is because he was a special forces Green Beret operator firefighter, he's not going to be able to act for squat because he looks has this look and his muscles and tattoos and can't act. So I really work hard to uh, combat that assumption. But then also the flip side is, is add to your skills. Be able to enhance that resume because, yes, had I not been a Green Beret, it'd be hard to act like what they need me to act like in a film as a Green Beret. So luckily I have something to draw from. And again, that's you know, we're, we're making fictional movies nine times out of 10. So it's, it doesn't have to be like, well, this is how they would do it. You know, that's one of the things that a lot of military people kind of F up is they forget it's a movie. It's, it's not a real recreation, like field manual handbook turned into film. It's, it's a movie. There are some things that get a little retarded, ridiculous. I apologize for that word. Uh, that get a little stupid because, you know, like some of the way people hold guns in movies. I was just watching The Walking Dead season eight last night, and still, this is a sheriff who should know how to hold a rifle, and he still holds it like a just a idiot. So stuff like that—that's a whole other thing. But so trying to keep myself on track. Sorry. Uh, when it comes to special skills and acting, add to them. But the thing is, is you know, it costs money to go take lessons to shoot guns. It costs money to go take lessons to be you know, a fire volunteer firefighter or whatever special skills that are out there, it, it takes time and money. So my argument is if I had to pick a side, I would pick you move to Hollywood to be an actor. You didn't move to Hollywood to be a for like, here's a perfect example. I didn't move to Hollywood to be a former green beret who happens to act. I moved to Hollywood to be an actor. All the other stuff prior is a bonus. So I focus on acting, which is an unending education and skill that is constantly being worked on. So work on that. That's the thing at the end of the day, I would like things get you a job. A great actor can fake being a Green Beret, especially if it's a Green Beret for a fictional show. You know, it's, it's not like they're, it's, <laughs> it's not like they're vetting you with other Green Berets or other firefighters or other doctors or whatnot to see, hey, is this guy really, really real? It's a freaking movie. So they need good actors who can portray that. Dr. House, I thought he kind of nailed it. Uh, and he's not a real doctor. He's a, I mean, the, the actor himself might have some life experience to add to it, but he didn't have to learn how to say duodenum, you know, or he didn't have to come in knowing that already. And for those of you who don't know, duodenum is somewhere, a part of your intestines or something. It's been a while, but I could dust it off if I need to. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's really hard because I don't feel anyone deserves a role because they happen to have a special skill. They should find out if the casting directors should find out if they can act first. And then they go, oh, this guy can handle a gun. Bonus. This is why we want this guy because he can actually act like the character we want. And he actually knows how to run around with a gun and act like he knows what he's doing. But it shouldn't be the deciding factor. If they have two actors that for some, if you could actually put them on some sort of scale, and they are like, oh, they're the exact same acting scale. What's going to make or break us? Well, this guy was raised, you know, in Orange County and has never touched a gun. Okay, well, this guy has a, was a real Green Beret. Well, let's hire the real Green Beret. 
but beyond that, I think acting should always take precedence. And, and I think I might piss off a lot of my veteran friends to be veteran filmmaker friends, honestly. And I don't, I respect differences of opinions, uh, but I think they're wrong. Um, the veterans and prior firefighters or former doctors shouldn't get preference. They shouldn't get preferential treatment. It should be noted for sure, but acting it's called acting. It's, it's, it's called acting. I, I just can't say that enough. So for those of you discouraged by like my, you know, that, that your experiences is like my firefighter experience, you know, where you had to be a real firefighter only to make a salad in the commercial. And it was a national commercial made a lot of the, whoever got their role made a lot of money. Uh, so it was a bunch of bull crap. I actually know one guy, one degree of separation. He, uh, said he was, a uh, rescue, a helicopter rescue crew. Um, and I, I have enough experience to say I could audition for that too. We were at the same audition. He, uh, got the role. He has zero experience doing it. And in his defense though, he worked the system because the commercial had him sitting in a, uh, like a, uh, plane hangar with a helicopter in the hangar, not running, nothing. And a little girl ran up to him and hugged him and hugged him. You know, that's why he had to be a real, uh, air rescue crew member. It's a bunch of bull crap. So promise I'm actually not in a bad mood. I just, that's a topic I'm extremely passionate about. So to summarize, work on your acting. If you have the time or the resources of the friends, you know, work some trades. Uh, I have a friend I actually need to get a hold of him because I'm being a bad friend. You know, he helps me with my dialects. I'm not great at accents, but he also needs to learn how to hold guns because every TV show or movie right now is gun related. <laughs> so uh, we kind of scratch each other's back. He helps me with some dialect stuff when I get auditions or roles that require dialect and I need to get off my butt and, uh, get him to the range and teach him how to handle guns competently. So stuff like that, I would say do that. But at the end of the day, if you have money or the time to go to an acting conservatory or an acting program versus a 12, you know, week shooting course, uh, go to the acting program unless you're trying to be Rambo. I don't know. Funny choice of words, but yeah, so act to be or not to be be an actor not a skill guy the rules of the gym and fitness this is a little ranty but i'm not trying to come across negative but these are some things if you're new to me and my podcast and my life two biggies i think y'all should know okay i'm gonna get a bowflex i'm gonna commit i'm gonna get some dumbbells you know you can't eat dumbbells right two things i wanted to discuss in the world of fitness today Number one, I, I say this out of support for so many of my friends and, and peers that fall for this. And I say this because I care. Detox is bullcrap. I fell for it once or twice. Uh, no, just once. Um, and there is no science. I looked at every major like reputable site like the Mayo Clinic, .org places, EDU places, uh, actual science places not you know blah 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 get rid of your tummy and 10 extra step.com none of them say they work now what are detox diets or fads or drinks or cleanses or whatever in in kind of to amalgamize them all for those who don't know basically it's some sort of drink or process you go through to quote-unquote detoxify your system and it makes you it's touted as doing everything from helping you lose weight to body fat to feeling better and more energized, better skin, better soul, aura. I don't know. Uh, but they're crap. Um, and here's the little bit of science I have um, is actually, no, this is just based on all this stuff I read because I'm not going to sit here and quote science. If they feel like they're working, it, there's a handful of reasons. One, it could be because the process of detoxing, quote unquote, is because they've got rid of, you know, a X amount of time of eating like shit. So yeah, if people say they feel better. It's go eat a pizza, see how you feel in the morning. Eat healthy for a day, see how you feel the next morning. You're going to feel noticeably different. You're not going to feel as heavy and and sluggish and gross. So if anything there's there's uh anecdotal outcome because they feel better, but it might not just be because they detox, it might be because they quit eating like shit for a focused amount of time. And in the same lieu of that, it also could be a caloric thing. Uh, as when they're fasting or detoxing, <clears throat> they're going to end up having less of something. So there might be a weight loss, you know, and especially if they're only drinking fluids and doing one of those detoxes, you're, you're going to lose weight on the scale because all you're going to be doing is pissing. 
Um, so that's why you might quote unquote lose weight. Uh, and you won't lose body fat. You're based on the amount of fluids you lose or whatever your, your, um, body composition might alter a little bit. But again, no long-term person, bodybuilder, ultra marathon or whatever, their success didn't come from a fancy little seven day cleanse. Nobody can, I've yet to see or anything online and all my little outlyings of fitness seen it work. Like, I guess knock yourself out. I'm not a doctor. I don't advocate them. I don't think they're worth your time. I think they're a gimmick because it falls under the, my rule of fitness. If it's too easy, too good to be true, it is. Uh, so yeah, it, I mean, take before and after pictures, do body composition, run your labs, go to a laboratory and get a major, major health panel, which by the way, aren't cheap. And most doctors probably won't prescribe. So your insurance won't cover them and do a before and after. Uh, I, I'm betting your kidney numbers might be a little effed up because you just forced them to do a massive amount of, you know, apple cider vinegar through your kidneys. Um, but I'd like to actually see diagnostic results of how it is. Um, and, you know, and if you're all of a sudden going from like eating like crap to doing this detox thing and you claim all of a sudden you're healthier, well, yeah, you kind of are. The same could be said for if you eat like crap and then just start eating like healthy, you're going to maybe feel better. Your bowel movements might be better. But with that being said on the bowel movement topic, if you're considering it, there's also some dangerous side effects. Uh, it limits pro a lot of them are going to limit your protein because that, and that's dangerous. You need that for so many reasons. You're going to feel fatigued. So you're going to be all like on Instagram talking about how this fasting thing's making you exhausted. It's because you aren't eating enough calories. Uh, as a result, also because you might be flushing your system, you're going to be having vitamin mineral deficiencies because you're just shoving that crap out. Um, you can run into, I mean, looking at this, uh, this is a lot of this is from the Mayo Clinic. Um, oh, here's an interesting little point. Your kidneys and liver are made to detox you. You already are detoxing sitting here listening to this. You know, colon cleansing, if you're, depending on how crazy you're going on the detox, you're, that amount of like light switch detoxing can cause cramping, bloating, nausea, vomiting, diet dehydration is going to be through the roof. So again, it's, it, if it's too good to be true, it is. That's number one. Feel free to email me fans at jeffbosley.com and let's fight. And number uh, two is for anybody new to the gym. I don't want the gym to be an intimidating place. I love the people that defend the out of shape people at the gym because those are the people that need to be there. And those are the people that are overcoming getting to the gym. Uh, if you're all pretty and look great, it's not hard to go to the gym. You're less intimidated by the world there. So I, I respect and admire the people that have a lot of intimidations and a lot of uh, trepidation going into a gym. Uh, but here's a rule I want you to know whether you're new or old. On the side of dumbbells, there's a little number sometimes. In this example, let's use the number three and the number five. Those mean 35, 35 pounds. So that little number, the little rack that dumb, that little dumbbell goes in, it's freaking crazy. There's also a little number on that rack that coincidentally is the same number as that number on the side of that dumbbell, a three and a five, 35. What you do with those is you match them just like you were in grade school when you had to match stuff that was the same. You don't even have to know what a three and a five are. Treat them like symbols match the symbols. There's a thing that looks like half an eight. There's a thing that looks kind of like an S, but with right angles, match that with the other thing that looks like half an eight and match that with the other thing that looks like an S, but with right angles. Boom. You've put the dumbbell in the right place. That is called racking your weights. So if you need a video for that, or if you need to send a video to that, to your friends, help them. Friends don't let friends be morons at the gym and not rack their weights. I want to own a gym where I will actually spend the money to impl imp uh, implant RF uh, signals that basically if it doesn't go in the right spot, an alarm will go off. You get one strike and then you're out of my gym. If for some reason you get to three strikes, like you slip the system, you get smacked in the face with the weight you didn't put away. So if you didn't put away 120 pound weight, Mr. Cool Guy, I lift a lot and you put it in the five pound slot, I will bash you upside the head with a 120 pound dumbbell. That'll be part of your waiver you signed in to get into my gym. <sighs> I say all that with, with a hopeful uh, tone of comedy and sarcasm. But no, I really believe it. You don't put the weights away. You, you're a product of the devil. If I, I, I've, I try not to toxify myself with it, but if I 
took pictures of how often I see a 120 pound dumbbell, the 120, in the five pound dumbbell slot. I, I, I've actually watched people do it consciously. Like I will take out whatever weight, let's say 80. I will watch some D bag put away the 30 there, 20, whatever, the wrong one. And I'll look at him going, you just watched me take these away from the right spot. Then here's the worst part is I go, no matter where I get my weight from, whether let's assume it's the wrong spot, I will go put it away in the right spot. And if something's in the way, I will clean, get rid of those dumbbells in the way, set them on the ground. It's not my job to put those ones away because that's a downward spiral. I could be putting weights away, weights away and putting weights away because it's, it's not all the weights in the wrong spot anyway. So I'll clear the spot, throw them on the ground, kind of maybe in the vicinity where they go, but it's not my job. It's the person's job who did it. And I'll put my weights away. And if somebody has a problem with that, I'd love to hear their argument. Uh, you know, the argument would be, wait, you didn't put those weights away you didn't use. Correct. I put my weights away that I used in the right spot. So yeah, passionate rant today on fitness. Number one, quit detoxing and cleansing and, and, and trying to cheat your way through something that doesn't happen. Because all you're going to do is crap your guts out, pee a lot, and spend a lot of money on chasing the dragon of hope. And number two, match those little symbols on the side of things that match the symbols on the side of things where you put things away. It's not rocket science. You don't even have to be literate to do it. My heart goes out to you. I wish you the best. Friend talk. Today's friend is... Um, a really fun person I've met. Um, this sounds always really shady, but it's really pure, fun experience. I met at an airport, uh, Jenny. Um, I let her explain how we met and uh, how it went down because uh, everybody's perspectives are different, and I think I was a f just made a fool of myself. Um, but I've we've been friends since, and thanks to social media, we've been able to keep in touch. And this person is possibly I've one of the most um, energetic and optimistic people I've uh, ever met, and she constantly amazes me. So, here is my conversation with Jenny. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. All right, cool. So, as always, this is the friend segment of the show, and today I'm talking to Guinevere. I mean, sorry, Jenny. She <laughs> she told me to call her Guinevere, um, and long story short, I uh, I brought it up in an intro that you didn't hear yet, but. I said we met in an airport, and then I was like, well, that sounds really, really shady, so. <laughs> yeah, but some of the best things happen in the shade. I'm just saying. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the best things happen in an airport, and I was like, I don't know, what airport oh, have you no. been? What airport no. have you been to? <laughs> so, um, I met Jenny, not Guinevere. It's pushing maybe, gee, many, oh, God, three, two years? Now I feel horrible. Two years ago? Two plus? Honestly, I don't know. I think it's two years ago. Two okay, years ago, yeah, Go two years ahead. ago, and I've actually honestly already forgot what airport it was at. I don't travel that much. I haven't. It was at one of those crappy ones. Was it LAX? No, it was. We landed in LAX. I think it was um, Chicago, maybe. God, that's so crazy. It makes me sound like a world traveler, which I'm the exact opposite. I don't travel at all. Well, that it was a big day for me because I started beef with United. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. This is the woman that, while we're on the plane, <laughs> tweets United and gets, like, special privileges via a tweet. This is what Twitter is about. I, I mean, Jeff, come on. I come can't, on. I can't get Hugh Jackman to reply to me, but you can get United to give you free tickets. You, I mean, you just have to be... You, well, first off, their employees have to mess up. Okay, well... And, and then you just lean in. Then you just run with it. It's like an Olympic torch. you got to run before that thing burns out. <laughs> what exactly? Bring me up to date. What, I can't even remember what exactly happened with the whole event. So I'm pretty sure, like, let's just pretend like I didn't say the, the airline, but I'm pretty sure someone <laughs> I'm not that famous. an airline that will just call Utopian Airlines <laughs> where nothing bad ever happens. Aw, sounds someone lovely. Right? Uh, someone from their airline decided to take pictures of me. <gasps> That's like, right. Straight up. That's right. And. So gross. <laughs> oh, it was nasty. And it was like, to the point where, dude, I can see that you're like outside of plainly hearing the click. Like. Wow. I can see your phone screen when you walk past me. <laughs> so. Like, what is your excuse? And so 
then I just took pictures of him and sent <laughs> it to Utopia Airlines <laughs> via Twitter. This is astonishing. <laughs> and then I met you, and you... Were you in a wrist wrap at that time? Is this one wrist? Yes. Oh, God, that's I right. I was a weird person. I was like, you look familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I try not to pat my ego too much, but you, this might have been the one uh, sighting where somebody ha- happened to really like a show and happened to kind of maybe recognize a person that might have been a doppelganger of a person that kind of looked like somebody on that show. When in oh, reality, yeah. I was that guy. When in reality, I was like really the person on the show. So I was like, oh, I, I'll go home kind of happy with this person that got you, Utopian Air to give her free tickets or free... What <laughs> What did you get out of them? Out of them a free ticket? You need to start an airline called Utopian Air with pilots named Guinevere and um, with and so you can wow mileage points. wow points. People will be like, whoa, what happens on this airline? They get mileage wow points. Oh, I feel so sorry for your listeners right now. They're probably like, who is this crazy lady? Oh, this is awesome. Okay, well, hey, let's start from let's start back before back in the beginning. Tell us about you. What what's your what what who, what's who your pitch? I? Yeah, who are you? That's um, I'm Jenny, Jenny Lee, um, and I am, <sighs> who am I? That's a great, now I'm going to go into Now we're into like philosophy. No, I, no, we, no crying. Someone, someone call Mark Maron. Let's <laughs> do this. Um, I, well, for one, in case you couldn't tell, I listen to way more podcasts than I should. Thank Christ. Um, I, you what? I said, thank Christ. <laughs> it's it's stuff like that that gives me a chance. <laughs> you got this, man. I do. Um, and I am a fitness professional, and I am basically a pepper pots. Um, <laughs> meaning, I am a get stuff done kind of girl. Um, when you when I met you in the airport, I was actually coming back from. India, I think. Oh my God, I don't um, remember that. That's awesome. Yeah, I was on tour with the dance fitness company for quite some time. God um, dang. Yeah, and yeah, and I I currently live in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I am living it up. <laughs> What's the <a> dick? <laughs> and, like, and I am staring at my apartment wall. Awesome. You know, if you're really interested. And it's freaking awesome. It's the best wall I've ever seen on this side of this specific wall. Well, that's the um, one thing is uh, you strike me. And I, I mean, that's the thing is we, we only had our uh, 15 minutes of time in the airport before you started hassling uh, whatever it was called, uh, Utopian Air. But the little the time we have interacted, I don't know your past, but you you can look at a blank wall and find – optimism in it so that's the one thing i take away from our interactions is is i don't know if that's hopeful or sad but at the same time no matter what you can find the 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 whatever they call it the silver lining on anything thus at least in my interaction or maybe you've just faked me out this whole time oh well you know but isn't that part of it though (laughs) well trust me i live my life based on disreality welcome to my ted talk isn't part of part of being optimistic (laughs) Don't you have to fake it sometimes? Ah, well, yeah. You know, and it's like, I, I find, so in fitness, you meet all these people that are basically bananas. For sure. Um, yeah. And they're, especially in this age where there's so much filth and crap on Instagram and oh, yeah. Snapchat and, you know, and, and, you know, this is what we do. Like, we have to, whether you're in fitness or entertainment, you know, you're still involved and if you're going if you're a human and if you enjoy being social which i i'm on the fence about it well on um, on being social yeah people man they are not like they remind me of those things in harry potter sometimes you know those i don't know what they are they're like hovery someone right now is screaming at their car radio yeah because it's funny because you're the second person to bring up Harry Potter today, and it's the second reference I don't get because that's the one thing I haven't seen. Okay, so let me 
can't tell you in Jenny brain what happens. Dude has a little crazy forehead and he's magical, goes to magic school, learns magic things with his magic friends, and then somebody else doesn't like it. And then that's it. And then something happens. I don't even know how it ends, but it doesn't really matter. It takes eight whole DVDs for it to end. And by then, I'm thinking about something else. So... (laughs) It's kind of like when uh, they make fun of um, Lord of the Rings in one of the Kevin Smith movies. Where they're like, he's like, it's three shows of somebody walking, and at the end they throw a ring in a volcano. Right? Yes, <laughs> yes. It's that, except a little bit for kids and with a, way with, more magical. With magic school. Um, but there's this, there's this part, and these little dudes, like I would Google it right now, but I don't want to make clicky noises. Oh. Um there's these dudes and they're well they're probably most of them are women let's just face it and what they do is they like hover around and they get really close to you and then like they suck the life out of you oh and it's such like that is social media don't like being social yeah you know because when i come home i'm like oh i need to sleep for three days oh for sure because i just gave myself to random strangers that don't really care anything about me. Well, that's what I was going to say. You, is you spend your day, I mean, one way or another, uh, whether you're literally motivating somebody or you're just genuinely encouraging somebody. I'm, I'm no expert on uh, the human condition or the human psyche, but I spend an hour doing that, and it, it every, ounce, every one unit of one you give a person probably costs, like, you three. Like, it, it's yeah. disproportionately draining. So, and so you, do you spend your day like at, actually, I mean, cause I know you do like the spin, forgive me if I'm saying it wrong, but it is essentially some of your stuff is spin related. And then outside your actual like motivational stuff, like you spend literally your day somehow motivating or encouraging or pep talking people like all day long, like all day long. Yes, I'm like a care bear. Well, um, and not to count like the people from like LA, California texting you with boohoo texts. And then you got to, mo- <laughs> then you got to motivate that poor bastard from a distance. <laughs> so perfect emoji like emojis have made conversation way easy (laughs) emojis have changed the way i coach Ah. so like from a life coach perspective if somebody's like oh you know whatever it's today was terrible because blah 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 i didn't get my way because that's really all it is for sure then you just send them like a i don't know emoji and then (laughs) Say, oh man, that sucks. And then your job is done. Boom, I'm a life coach. We've We've gone all the way back to hieroglyphics where one image can like emulate an entire conversation that you've already had. Like you even send me, I mean, I'll confess to it. She'll send me uh, a, uh, the flashlight, like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So I'll, like, I'll be having a little mopey thing. Jenny will send me a little, little flashlight thing. And I'm like, I remember that. That's those 19 conversations we've had all summed up in a nice little emoji. Ah, she's, and they'll see that. I'm like, she's right. And then I'll move on. <laughs> but, you know, but that's, we all need someone like that. For sure. You know, and. Well, who's, the, know. who's that for you? Well, how do you keep going? Like sooner or later, the Care Bear has to run out of the Care Bear stair fuel. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I well, um, it makes you happy. It makes me kind of sad. <laughs> I might need you to send me the. There you go. There's my fuel, right? Yeah, there, you need to you send know? me the flashlight emoji now because I just made a reference to the Care Bears that was slightly educated and a deep cut. <laughs> All right, you got it. Send me the flashlight. I'll put, I'll put one on your tab right now. <laughs> Thanks. Um. Yeah. So who who helps me basically? Yeah. Um, it's always random. Honestly, I feel like. You know, there's, okay, so there's your dream thing that you want to do. And if you can wrap your mind around that, (laughs) because lucky for me, oh, I'm so, I'm so incredibly blessed to be ADHD. I'm so blessed (laughs) because I don't spend time on the specifics. Oh, so you don't dwell. Like clinically, you're not able to dwell. I mean. (laughs) Yeah, I, I can't. I'm like, huh. yeah, okay, there's a problem, and I've already forgotten it. Like, huh. I'm basically an etch-a-sketch. Oh, I like, like that, yeah. If I just shake around a bit, then everything's better, which is also science. Like, motion creates emotion, right? Yeah. So that's why so many people can go and spend three hours in the gym. They don't need to immediately, consecutively, all the time, yeah. but they do. Yeah. You know, and they do because they feel good. 
Um, but for me, because I've kept my spectrum pretty broad, <laughs> like I've always, I've never, I've never said I want to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. I've never said I want to be a fitness professional. Mm-hmm. I've always said I just want to make a, the biggest impact I can make on the world. Wow. So you kind of reverse design how you want to help people. You didn't say I want to be a doctor to help people with their health. You like you said I want to do this thing. And what what are my uh, my I don't know mediums that are going to get me to do that? Whether it's fitness or motivational speaking or etc. That's rare. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's kind of like that, except it's it turns into okay. I want to do this. Mm -hmm. So I want to make a big impact okay so that means that in every little thing i need to make a big impact good lord and you (laughs) how do you again yeah like it seems it's it feels not in a uh jaded the world's doomed kind of way but it's got to be ridiculous like i I love me i I think it's the same thing and i'm not to be like braggadocious for either of us i think there are some people the people that don't like to help others it's not i'm not saying they're bad people it's just some people aren't like necessarily wired maybe to consider that a thing in their life but i think people like you and me and a lot of people i know we like volunteer work we like charity work or we just like stuff we get the reward of seeing others better somehow uh you know simply put but how do you not get like I, I mean like last night for example I went to a new charity or uh, um, kind of volunteer thing I loved it but I was exhausted and so like it's funny because it, it, I hate it because it's like to, to have somebody say oh you're tired from volunteering you poor little sunshine but, yeah, it, but it's it's, it's weird yeah because it feels like you got to bring you got to go to those things with like you, you know this the cranked up to 15 when that's like hard to sustain you can't be at that level all day long yet it kind of is so do you like take a day off or what provides <laughs> what provides you what you provide others <laughs> i i find that so all right so let's go ahead and reference a whole bunch of things <laughs> um i believe so there's a another podcaster slash amazing human slash hardcore being um named gary v and he ah. always talks about how how humans are ROI. That is our return on investment. Oh, okay. And and so it's it never fails. Call it karma, call it God, call it jelly bellies. I don't care <laughs> what you call it. But every time, Jeff, every time I am low and I get re- as high as I am, like as as much energy as I have, when I when I go dark Oh, God. Yeah, I was going to say, it seems like the pendulum, it's got to swing the other direction proportionately sooner or later. Right. And, but it never fails lately when I am on track, when I know, okay, I'm in the pocket. Yeah. I will get a text or like someone random will come up to me and be like, oh, I saw you're doing a thing. And it's like an instant recharge. Prime example, no joke, this week, um, I've been going through some stuff, so I'm, I'm opening up a spin studio of my own. Uh-huh. Oh, God. Business. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, as most of your listeners and you can tell, like, I am not, I'm a big picture girl, big time, and I just want to, I just want to do it, and I just want to have fun, and if we do it and we have fun, then it's going to be great, right? Well, not always. <laughs> And so lately, the reality of that has been kind of hitting me. And it was one of those weird moments where it was super, super quiet. (laughs) And my phone, I don't normally keep it on me, but I just got this random message. No joke. I I go to bed at 830. Oh, you're old like me. Oh, yeah. Well, I love early life. For sure. Yeah, I don't do it because I don't want to be up late. I do it because I want to be up early. Yeah, and I, I find so much value in that. We'll come back to that in a second. For sure. I, I, at 11 p.m., I get a text, and it was like, blah, 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 blah. One of my clients going through some stuff. I'm not close with this person, <laughs> um, but 
they're close to me. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, for sure. Like I'm there for them, but they're not really in my life. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, and out of nowhere, this person's like, and I'll read you verbatim. She, she says, thank you for being so supportive and someone I can really talk to. I didn't expect it. And it means the world to me. Oh, lightning bolt this, for you for sure. huh? And it was like, wow. Number one, thanks for not texting me before my phone was on. Do not disturb. <laughs> because then I would have to talk to you. <laughs> like, let's be honest. Yeah, no, for but sure. So thank you for telling me. Yeah. And, and really like that's, that's kind of a huge part of what my life is about. Mm-hmm. I will tell someone immediately when the thought hits me, I'm telling them, Hey, I was thinking about you. Yeah. This and this and this. Yeah. Okay, bye. For sure. And I think, yeah, I, I've experienced it with you recently. And I also, up until just literally hearing you talk this very moment, I've kind of been uh, trying, gratitude is a, is a lost art and it's, and it doesn't have to be, like you said, some, just the fact she texted you, I would imagine gives you this crazy lightning bolt of like, that's why that's, you know, right. and then, then you can yeah. go to bed. You don't need, it doesn't have to be like some grandiose party, just a simple no. text. And I always try to think like, <laughs> because <clears throat> my little litmus test, because this business I'm in, it can be inherently extremely realistically selfish or appear appearance wise. It could look very selfish. So I actually very consciously any in any interaction i try to make a very conscious effort i do make an effort to the effort i do it to text or even just shoot somebody like what i would want to do if i if the roles were reversed and and they might even like roll their eyes because it seems so trivial or they might actually have your experience of going wow that was cool that was simple and it gives them like a reason why they helped jeff or gave jeff this connection or whatever like i don't i don't the fact value there's a weird depreciation of value with gratitude in our, I think, current society and our current world for sure. And yeah, yeah, I had a, I had a friend that said, um, and it's exactly like your text uh, from your your client is that, like I was dragging ass and uh, she said something like, well, what if all of a sudden you got a call that you just won a million dollars? Your heart, I mean, every you just would that energy, literally and metaphorically, would just put you through the roof, you know. And that's an interesting way to look at it. Like somehow if if you get that text from your client or if, you know, you get like some, you know, loan for your business or I get the role of my dreams, it's weird how all of a sudden things drift away and you're all suddenly re-energized when you thought you were in the darkest of dark with zero motivation and energy, you know, and it's an interesting way to, if you could force your head to be in that headspace, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to, well, and when you're very much not there, <clears throat> yeah, you can't get there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's not easy to climb out. Why I send you that emoji. <laughs> no, it is. I mean? It is. Yeah. It's it's a literal literal <laughs> light at the end of the tunnel. It gives you a little bit like ah, oh, there it is. That's why. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, is like you only it's it's only good for as long as you let it. Number one, like I can ride that wave Ooh. for a long time. Like I'm a pro <laughs> surfer when it comes to riding the high. I'm like, we did a good thing. Hell yeah. And then I'm good. Yeah. I'm good something terrible happens that's good yeah you know a few days or you know good tomorrow yeah you know but it's like that terrible thing whatever it is it's all about perspective at that point and then i can go okay but i did have a really good thing you know like i'm this good thing is no matter what it is on the timeline Wow. So yeah. when I draw the dot for this bad thing, it's going to be, I need to consciously make it smaller than this good thing. That's just, I, I'm, I'm speechless because like I've, <laughs> I've witnessed that after meeting you and, and then just kind of obviously keep in touch over social media. You definitely, well, hell it's funny because some of your pictures actually have, you know, like a blur effect to it. And that's literally how you come across as far as like a bajillion miles an hour of energy where I just want to put my hands on my face and go, oh my God, so much positivity. How does she do it? It seems so tiring. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So let me let you in on the dark side. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, of course. Um, I am a total loner. Awesome conversation with Jenny. That's part one of two because uh, we are long-winded mofos. So uh, part two will be Monday. 
In the meantime, have a great weekend. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Hopefully, you enjoyed yourself. Um, please, 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 I'm not exaggerating. Feel free to chime in on uh, anything and everything you want to do with this show. Uh, fans at jeffbosley.com. If you're part of Patreon or if you want to be on the, their website, you can chime in under the comments section. Feel free to chime in there, and I'll design this show accordingly. It's a constantly adapting thing. I just kind of pulled the template out of my butt and am rolling with it. So this show is for you. Uh, please enjoy it and help me design it to make it more fun for you on your commute or in the gym or whatever you're using it for to hear my voice in your brain. So thank you. Go have a great weekend. Go forth, conquer, kick ass, be relentless. Adios, folks.